a new thing. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. We live in a need-to-know society. We're always trying to find out something new. Yeah, some new thing. Who's doing what to whom? What's the latest trend? What's the latest clothes? Whatever the case may be, what's the new buzzword? What's new? When we hear these scriptures, what thoughts come to mind? Do you get a picture of where we are today? Are you afraid or are you simply made aware of the obvious? It seems our new things are really old things coming to pass. Negotiating and managing the days of our lives can be difficult, if not impossible. Given the social, economic, and ethical climate of our nation, we are in a tizzy, to say the least. What do we do about where we are and all the things that are coming to light? And more importantly, how do we feel about it all? I often tell people not to be led by their feelings because feelings will put you in places where you have no business being. Our feelings are governed by our desires and inclinations and our overall preferences. In many instances, these emotions cloud our judgment so that we cannot decipher truth from preference. I heard a preacher say, Christ preached truth, and it is imperative to walk in truth. If we do not walk in the truth of who we are, then we are lying to God and ourselves. It is hypocritical to preach a truth that we do not walk in. Now, their implication was that what they desired in their flesh gave representation or understanding to their truth and therefore represented the theological idea of God's truth. In other words, since they were honest about who they were and what they wrestled with, that made their truth acceptable to God. Even though their truth was sinful and in violation of God's word. Well, first of all, you can't lie to God because he knows the truth of who you are and who we are. And secondly, just because you're honest about who you are does not make it right before God. The backdrop for this theological misgiving is rooted in what they identified as oppressive and exclusionary language found in God's word. Now, you and I both know historically that the Bible has been used to keep certain people in their place. But the question is, in what context and condition? People have always been taken, have, have always taken something good and used it for evil. And the word of God is no different. But the question remains, does the intentions of people represent the ideals and notions of God, even though God uses people to articulate and interpret the Bible? The answer is not always. 
Our condition as humans in often inhibits us from interpreting the Bible without bias because of our sinful nature. In many instances, we see, hear, and understand the Bible based upon what we wanted to say rather than what it is actually saying. And since we struggle with sin, our reasoning tends to bend the scripture toward our agenda rather than letting it speak openly and honestly on its own terms or about its agenda, which hinders it from bringing about a new thing in our lives. Also, while the Bible was written in time, it is a timeless document, good for anything that ails us, including but not limited to instruction in righteousness. Our sin nature condemns us. As a matter of fact, the more we align ourselves with sin, the duller our senses become to the righteousness and the movement of God. It becomes restrictive. This word we we love so much this word we preach from, teach from, live by. It becomes restrictive and constrictive, thus making our desire to follow it less and less attractive. It's not liberating. It's not, it's not life-giving. And because of that, the word of God ceases to impact us in birthing a new thing in our lives. We are unrighteous. Christ is righteous. He came to make us the righteousness of God. To say that God is okay with the truth of our sin preferences as a part of our relationship with him is to say God is okay with sin itself, which means Christ did not have to die the horrible death of the cross to redeem us. By God's nature, we are called to holiness. As a matter of fact, we are to be holy as God is holy. So then, to tell the truth is to tell God's truth and not our preferred truth, which leads us to this conclusion. If any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Truth is only subjective when we don't allow Christ to be the subject of our truth. It becomes individualistic and selfishly motivated. But when we see truth, operate in truth through the eyes of a loving Christ, there is hope for our sinful condition and new mercies every morning. Now, there's a new day dawning every day of our lives because the new thing we experience is the love of God never ending. That's the truth of who we are. And that's the new thing that blesses us daily. I'm Dr. Alvin Summers, pastor of East Campus of First Baptist Church Indian Trail, Marshville, North Carolina. And you've been listening to Soul Food.